Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, February 12th, 2021. From where you are right now, can you see any trees? If you can, I want you to look and find the biggest tree that you can see right now. And what I want you to think about is where did that tree come from? And the reality is that that tree didn't just get to as big as it was. It started as a sapling and even more than that, it started as a seed that grew and matured into this great tree that you are looking at right now. Well, Jesus uses this analogy to talk about the growth, really, of the kingdom of God and the advance of the cause of the gospel. And that's something we're going to see not just talked about in a parable today, but talked about in the context of history as we look at the early church in Acts. But let's start in Matthew 13, verses 24 to 35. Again, Jesus is telling parables. It starts with the parable of the the weeds that are sown in with um, the wheat. And we see them grow up and we see there's going to be a judgment day where the the wheat and the tares are separated. But then he gets into these other parables that I want us to think about today. The first starts in verse 31, where Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So not every tree might come from something as small as a mustard seed, but but you see that similar idea, right, of something starting as a seed and then growing and become, becoming something so big that even the birds of the air can come and build nests. Then he says another parable in verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it all was leavened. And then you think of, you know, yeast rising, right? And how something that starts off as small expands and rises to become something big. And this is how Jesus is talking about his kingdom. Now, I want us to think about this, and we'll we'll get into this as we go in just a minute to the book of Acts, but think about how Jesus' statements here have even just proven to be true over history. Jesus said these words almost 2,000 years ago. And as we think about that, you know, this started with one man, Jesus Christ, the God-man. And then he had his 12 followers. And then we started the book of Acts with about 120 people in a room. And today we're going to see the gospel continuing to branch out to new people and new places. And here I am sitting in Meridian, Idaho today, literally on the other side of the world from Israel, uh, a part of a church. And we've seen the gospel go forth now all around the globe. And we've seen something go from one man, the God man, Jesus Christ, to his 12 disciples, to their followers and the thousands of people in the early church, to the millions of believers around the world today. What an amazing thing. Jesus's words have been proven accurate over time. And so I think this should be something that is encouraging to us, because I think as Christians, we look around at the world around us. We even look at our culture and we 
see things in many ways getting worse. And we see things, you know, for the church where we've lived in a country with a lot of religious freedom and um, just a lot of prosperity even for Christians. And we're starting to see signs that that might be changing and, and persecution might be on the rise. And even as that might concern us, and it should concern us, we should still be encouraged even thinking through history and all of these different things that nothing has ever been able to stop the gospel. That even though Jesus was killed, that even though 10 of these disciples will eventually be martyred for their faith, this seed of the kingdom, this seed of the gospel, this this yeast of Christ's movement here on earth has expanded and it Nothing has been able to stop it, and nothing will ever be able to stop the advance of the gospel. And I hope that is something that encourages us and even emboldens us that no matter what the future may bring, it cannot stop the gospel. And let us live with that kind of confidence. Now, as we think about that advance of the gospel, that gets us to the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 13, verses 42 to 52. And we wrapped up kind of this sermon that uh, Paul has been preaching in this synagogue, trying to get back to the history and point out Jesus as the promised Messiah. And because he rose again, there is forgiveness for everyone who believes in him. And now we start to see the response to that. In verse 42, they leave the synagogue, but everyone is so curious about what they were saying that they beg for them to come back the next Sabbath. And the next Sabbath comes and it's like the whole city is packed out in the synagogue because now, you know, the seven days in between, this word has just gone around the city like wildfire. And this is now the thing. And so the Jews, they see the crowds and they get jealous, right? They, they don't like the, hey, these new guys, Paul and Barnabas show up and now everybody is coming to the synagogue. What's up with that? They don't like all the attention that these guys are getting. And so they start to contradict Paul. And Paul says, because you are rejecting this message, I am now going to turn to the Gentiles. And this is a fulfillment even of prophecy from Isaiah 49. And we see now a lot of Paul's ministry even is going to be focused on the Gentiles. He doesn't neglect the Jews, but we start to see the gospel going out, right? Beyond just the nation of Israel, beyond just the Jewish people and going out to the Gentiles. We saw that earlier with Peter. Now we're seeing it with Paul. And we're seeing how the gospel is going to advance. And I'm guessing most of you listening to this are Gentiles that have never lived anywhere close to the nation of Israel. But the gospel has gone forth to you. And so we see here in Acts a little record of the history really of what Jesus was prophesying. That this little seed of the kingdom was going to grow. And now Paul and Barnabas, they're in a foreign nation. And even today, they're not just talking to the Jewish people. Now they're talking to the Gentiles. The gospel is growing, going forward to different nations and different peoples. And it has continued to do so until this day. And we get a little record of that here in Acts chapter 13. And we see people responding, but we also see persecution, right? That they are ultimately, Paul and Barnabas, driven out of the city because the Jews, they kind of manipulate the system to bring pressure on them and they leave. They shake the dust off their feet and they go to the next town. 
But again, this is another example of how persecution doesn't stop the gospel. There seems to be genuine believers here in this city that continue to follow Christ. They're filled, it says in verse 52, with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And Paul and Barnabas, they're just going to go down to the next town and preach the gospel there. So we see the kingdom continuing to flourish, continuing to advance. So what? Should we just sit back and say, cool, God's kingdom, it's going to keep growing. It's going to keep expanding. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Well, I think our other passages are going to remind us we have a role to play. And God's work is rarely ever done just passively. His standard mode of operation is to involve people in the work that he is doing. And he plans to involve us in this advancement of the kingdom. And we see some of how God involves people, even as we go back now to the book of Exodus. Today, we look at Exodus 34 and 35. Yesterday, remember, we read about the golden calf and we saw uh, Moses's reaction to all that, how he pleaded for the people. We saw him really plead with God. Hey, if you're not coming with us, don't let us leave. We need you with us. He asks to see God's glory. And today at the beginning, we kind of see the Lord show himself to Moses, reveal himself to them. And he does so by, it says in verse five, Exodus 34, verse five, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Right? And Moses sees this and responds and worships this glory that he has witnessed. And I want us to notice what we see a lot of in that glory, even is the Lord revealing himself through his character, that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love. But also he is a just God, not going to clear the guilty. No one is going to get away with their sin. And so we see this glorious character of God revealed. But then in a lot of these other passages, we're going to see how people were involved. It talks about the covenant being renewed in the rest of chapter 34. And God expected the people, hey, I'm expecting you to be holy. You're going to go into this land. I'm going to drive out these nations. And I'm expecting you to live differently from them. I don't want you making covenants with them. I don't want you going after their gods. I want you to keep the feasts that I have told you to keep. And there we see some things for us where we need to not compromise with the world. We don't need to act like the world. We don't need to worship what the world worships. We need to be set apart to worshiping God. And again, in chapter 35, we see uh, a lot of just the way the people were involved, even in the tabernacle. The people were involved in giving. Uh, He even kind of puts out this list of all the different things that are needed. And the people give and supply what is needed for the construction of the tabernacle. And then all the tools and elements that were to be used in that worship. And again, at the end, we even see God raising up some specific people 
and giving them specific skills, in this case, even kind of the skills of a craftsman to design and to build something beautiful and set apart for the Lord. So God uses people in this passage to accomplish his will. The nation is meant to follow him. The nation is meant to give and to be involved and even to serve in the construction of the tabernacle. God is using people here. And as we think about God using people in the spread of his kingdom, I'm reminded even just of the end now of Psalm 22, which we finished today with verses 25 through 31. And as we look at it, it speaks a lot of praising God. It speaks a lot of how people are going to tell of what God has done. And even it starts to talk about passing that on to the next generation. Right, We see that even in the last verse, verse 31, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. And remember, we we see how God has delivered the psalmist from this uh, treacherous situation uh, where he feels abandoned. And, And we saw even the Christological connection, how we can trust that we will never be forsaken because Christ was on the cross. And as a result of that, we should praise God. Verse 27 says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. So there, even as we think of the expansion of the kingdom of God, I think we're reminded of our responsibility to give God glory, to spread the word about this great God and this great king, and particularly our responsibility to pass that on to the next generation. I I, I have no crystal ball. I can't see the future. I don't know what all God has in store for us, for the church in the next several years. But what I do know is that nothing can stop the gospel. God's kingdom will continue to advance. The gospel will continue to go forward until Christ comes back. So let's be faithful to be set apart from the world, to be faithful to serve Christ, and to be faithful to pass on the word about him, especially to the next generation. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.